Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 344. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I'm excited to bring you an episode all about confidence and gender. So we talk a lot about confidence here at Bossed Up, but I try not to use that word uh, for a variety of reasons that my guest today is actually going to share in just a few moments. I think confidence kind of puts blame in the wrong <laughs> department, so to speak, and can be a, a sort of scapegoat for systems of oppression that really need to change across the board. So even though I hear from women in the Courage community and in Bossed Up's broader community and podcast listeners like you every day who say, how do I feel fierce enough to go for this? How do I cultivate the confidence I need to be successful? Um I like to stay focused on action, right? Not perception and not get stalled by our own self-perception because that's a lifelong (laughs) battle for so many of us is finding that resilience, that sense of self-worth, that deep, calm, inner sense of confidence in ourselves and our ability to figure things out. But my guest today helps us really break that that science down. She she looks into the research behind confidence and the gender gap around it and, and really shares some tactical and practical takeaways for how to think of this topic in a really productive way. I am so excited to introduce you today to Alexis Conda Olmsted. Alexis serves as the Director of Advancement Talent Management at Dartmouth College, where she helps people maximize their potential to achieve organizational priorities. Alexis believes people should be engaged by their work and have the opportunity for continuous growth and development. Now, during her 20-plus years of experience in higher ed, Alexis worked in academic affairs, student affairs, and advancement. She's delivered educational experiences to hundreds of faculty, staff, and students, led award-winning diversity and inclusion initiatives, and started two talent management departments. She's also the founder of a whole other thing, Amplify Women and Gender Initiative, which is a really interesting fascinating professional development program for women in advancement that recently won the Case Grand Gold Award. You'll hear more about that program, uh, that initiative in our conversation. And on top of all of this, she also is the founder of the AKO Collective, a women's leadership development company that offers training to women and girls. Alexis presents internationally on topics related to gender inclusion and equity, including as a TEDx speaker. Her TEDx talk is great, by the way, definitely worth checking out and something we talk about. Alexis has a lot to offer. She's doing a lot of things. She's wearing a lot of hats, and I'm so delighted that she made time to chat with us all about it here at Bossed Up. Alexis, welcome to the Bossed up podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So 
Alexis, you have quite a few different uh, sort of leadership experiences under your belt as a leadership educator, uh, as a founder of the AKO Collective. Tell me how you found yourself pursuing this work around leadership and bravery. Well, it started when I was in college. I had to go to a leadership conference, and I, I honestly didn't resonate with the idea of being a leader. Um, I attributed it and associated it with people who used power in, um, in a negative way, who um, told other people what to do and how to do it, and you know, kind of like very militaristic almost. And um, and so I didn't want to go to this this conference, but I oh. had to go because I actually was a leader of an organization. <laughs> and while I was there, I met a woman who was one of the facilitators, and she gave me a book called um, Feminist Leadership Principles. Hmm. And and it was essentially about this um, challenging this idea I had about leadership and saying that leadership was really a process, that it was collaborative, that it was highly relational uh, and inclusive. And that resonated with me. And, yeah. um, and I realized that people like myself, women, people of color, uh, people with marginalized identities essentially see, can see leadership um, as being more accessible to them if they reconceptualize it, if they reframe it as something that resonates with their own experience as a marginalized community member in their communities. So you don't see a lot of, you know, when you look at social movements, for example, they really are very much more, um, I would say, collaborative efforts. Mm -hmm. They're, they, they're coalescing around a common issue or cause that's really about the betterment of all people. And, um, and when we start reframing leadership that way, then more people who wouldn't normally identify because they aren't right with these privileged identities step into, into that space and are willing to enact leadership. Yeah. So, so I got excited about that. I love how you put that because it immediately makes me think of some examples from history and how, you know, especially women of color are just not held up as the leaders that, that we've always been, right? As leaders mm-hmm. that have always appeared throughout history. We know of Cesar Chavez. We don't hear so much about Dolores Huerta. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We mm-hmm. We hear these stories of what leadership looks like. And it's far too often quite male and quite pale. So it's no wonder that we don't, you know, that women that marginalized folks don't always see themselves as leaders. Uh, What's the harm in that? There's a lot of harm. We went to Washington, DC, you know, your old stomping grounds um, with my kids. And my daughter at the time was, I want to say she was around 10. And she wanted a placemat that had all of the American presidents on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at it and I thought, okay, that's a good educational thing. She should know who her presidents are. But then when we get her home mm-hmm. and I see it on our table every day when she's eating her breakfast, there are only pictures of white men and one African-American man. That's it. And, and I think about how that conditioning happens so early in our lives, even before the age of 10. Right. And how that subtle messaging, and that's just one specific artifact, but how that is imbued in everything we see, mm. um, it, you know, it does. It, it, it is is definitely going to have an impact on women and yeah. their willingness to 
to take up space as leaders. Uh, you know, and you, then you couple that with the um, with the real sort of double jeopardy of you know going into that role and how um, you you are more vulnerable, you are judged more harshly. I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on for why <laughs> you shouldn't be right. a leader. So it's not so, just yeah. like a perceived problem, right? Right? Also right? A it's real. real. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, that's a legit fear you have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your your feelings of being an outsider are not unwarranted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's so interesting. I, I feel like there's an interplay between the phrase of uh, you can't be what you can't see, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to be pioneers. We have yeah. to expand what we think of when we think of leadership to include more Absolutely. folks. So when you spoke about this in your awesome TED Talk, what is it? Uh The Science of Women's Leadership. Mm -hmm. You spoke about some research around leadership efficacy that I found really interesting. What What does leadership efficacy really mean, first of all? Yeah, it's feeling like you can do something well. And... um, and it's, you know, it, it is a little bit different than confidence, but I think more general, the general public would, would just be like, oh, my, my confidence in my ability to lead mm. um, would be another. But we, even the researchers stay away from words like confidence right. because they are intrinsically gendered. Mm. So one thing that I think is really important for women is to understand that um, everything has meaning and especially that we know that language has meaning, but even words that we consider to be neutral mm. have an invisible male default kind of baked into them. So when we say, oh, I need to work on my confidence, if we are perceiving that that's a masculine quality mm. and we identify, let's we're cisgender, you know, feminine, um, then that is going to be something that is is subconsciously or consciously going to feel very far away from what's possible for us. When we use words like efficacy, self-efficacy, leadership efficacy, it's like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can try, try to, to do that. But even leader is gendered Mm -hmm. when we have, I mean, there's research on people, you know, draw an effective leader. They all draw men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and when you think of someone who has confidence, what are those qualities? They're fearless. They're ambitious. They speak up that sounds like a man. So, um, so I think first starting, you know, with mm. the language is really important and naming that, but yeah, it's, it's essentially a synonym for confidence. That's so interesting. And I, I like the, um, kind of one step back from confidence that it offers, which is mm-hmm. similar to a phrase I've always turned to. Um, it's actually part of our original manifesto here at Vasta, mm. which is have confidence in your ability to figure it out. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can start a business, right. but I'm not going to let not knowing if I can do it stop me yeah. from trying. Yeah. And there's there's a little cognitive dissonance there, right? It's yeah. like, it's one step removed from I can do this, that bravado BS that I think right. is sometimes right. shoved down our throats a little bit. Yes. Like, yes. just have confidence is not great advice. So No, it's horrible advice. <laughs> so what the advice should be is just take a small action. Mm-hmm. Just take a small action um, because what the research shows is that it is small action that builds confidence. And that seems really obvious and intuitive. Um, but when we, when we even take a step back from that, so, you know, people, women and people with marginalized identities, um, they, they, they do know that they have to be competent and they, but then they also 
mistakenly believe they have to feel confident before Mm. taking action. So I, so what I see women doing, and maybe you see this too, is this constant quest for competence to make up for not feeling confident. So if I get my PhD or if I, (laughs) you know, or if I'm just, if I have management experience or if I have, you know, a couple more years of X, Y, Z, or I go to this training, whatever, then I'll, uh, my competence will be so high that it will make up for my lack of confidence. Mm. And that's not how confidence works. You have to take action and that builds your confidence. That builds your confidence. So the formula, we have it wrong. It's competence plus action increases confidence competence plus, plus action, action increases confidence. Yeah. 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 I call that merit badge tracing. And I see oh, it I love that. all yeah. the time because you're like, if I just get this merit badge, which by the way yep. is how our entire education structure is structured yes. to reinforce that belief. Once I get mm-hmm. that thing, that diploma, that piece of paper, that mm-hmm. grad degree, whatever, then they'll let me in to the party, to the leadership table, right? Right. Then they'll approve of my style. Then they'll Mm -hmm. make me feel welcome and I'll feel welcome too, you know? And it is like you're saying, it's a fruitless and not to mention expensive endeavor. I think women make up grad schools at twice the rate of men. And I'm like, save your pennies, ladies. Let's let's bang down the door instead, you know? Well, Um, and I think the other piece is if you were to take all of that time and look at that, at you know, that educational piece. And I believe in education. I've worked in higher ed for 20 plus years. But if you think about how much time you're going to spend um, in, in class and homework and everything else, could you start a business during that time? Could you volunteer and get some real world experience? Yeah. Could you do a whole host of other things? Yes. Could you do some self-care stuff? You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's, it's about time yeah. too. Yeah, that's experience fair. and taking action. And of course, there are certain specialties that like, yes, please, please go get the PhD yeah. before you become yeah. a geneticist, for sure. I would but... like my doctor <laughs> to have an MD, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but at the same time, I was, I was in that very position that you just described, Alexis. I was touring Accepted Students Day at USC, and I was like, dang, this would be awesome. I would love to go to grad school here. Will anyone pay me to do that by any chance? And the answer was a resounding no. In fact, you're going to pay us quite a large sum of money. And I was looking at a program that would make me feel capable enough to launch Bossed Up, this business idea I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And I made the very difficult decision to just start it. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe just not, you know, and flail a little bit. I I put Mm -hmm. myself through the school of hard knocks and downloaded a few syllabi and did my own reading. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's certainly not the right choice for everybody. But I think it's a good question, a good mindful question to ask yourself. Right. And I think the merit badge chasing is another um, sort of excuse that we give ourselves to hide and not take risks. So it's it's safe. Right. It's, it's much safer. And you, you, you can um, kind of tell yourself you're making progress, mm. but you're really not in a lot of ways, unfortunately. That's very true. The spinning of the wheels is mm-hmm. a real thing. So when I'm looking at this little cycle, sort of competence, then action, then confidence, mm-hmm. where does courage come in? Where does bravery come mm. in? Where do we need that? And why is that so important? Yeah, I love that. That's a really good question. Um, that so I like the word bravery because it it to me anyway um, indicates that there is fear 
that there is vulnerability mm. and uh, courage for me feels a lot more um, brazen and bold. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think for women in particular, because we are more vulnerable in, in our society um, that acknowledging fear is really important and acknowledging self-doubt is really important. And so the, the reason I like the, the word bravery um, with, with action, mm. it doesn't have to be huge and courageous. So if someone were to look at your story, they would say, oh my gosh, she just started this huge company and she's just so fearless <laughs> and she did all of these incredible things and I'll never be that. Mm-hmm. And, in, and so we stop before we even start. But if we were to really tell the story, it would be probably a series of fears that you overcame. And it, the, the list is probably a thousand steps, you know, mm-hmm. a thousand steps, not just boom, I, I'm right. doing bossed up and I'm awesome. Right. So it acknowledges and takes away sort of this heroic mythology <laughs> yeah. that also is very masculine and keeps women from even starting. Mm-hmm. So bravery to me, anyone can be brave. Anyone can feel free, fear and take a small step. Right. And so what I do with, with women is um, I ask them, and this isn't my, my language. So I really want to acknowledge bell hooks. And she talks about the difference between a safe space and a brave space. Mm. And so it's just one step out of that safe space. It's one step. So safe can be a comforting, wonderful place. It can also be stagnant. It can also be stifling. It can also be silencing. Hmm. So what is that? What is the step, you know, before we get into terror, um, but where I I have my faculties about me, I'm feeling brave and I'm taking risk. And usually it's a small risk. So a lot of times I have women do, I do this in my, um, this Amplify program that I started with my professional association. I have them write down, what is this big goal? It's to start bossed up or, or to do a Ted talk. And we look at that goal and we think, I don't even know where to go with that. Mm -hmm. And now I hate myself and I'm not, now I'm even, I've I've actually done harm to myself. I'm, I've stepped back even by even acknowledging I had this dream. Mm. But if I say, okay, brainstorm all the, brainstorm all the things that have to happen for you to move forward with this and then chart them along a continuum of fear (laughs) from safe, (laughs) safe to, you know, terror. And, and then find the one that is in your brave space. So, you know, safe space might be, I'm going to do research on, I'm going to watch other Ted talks, or I'm going to see what other feminist organizations are doing. That's Mm. safe space. Right. Usually what brave space is, is, is interacting with another human who could potentially help you or judge you or any Mm -hmm. other host of things. And usually it's sending an email. Like (laughs) I can't tell you how many women, like (laughs) you just send an email. I've seen women um, who have been afraid to even talk about their, their dream. Like one woman um, self-published, like did a GoFundMe to self-publish a um, children's book that had been a dream of hers for years. She had written the text, everything. She was afraid to even speak that as a dream. And then she gets to the other end of her confidence continuum because her first step was to email a friend who Mm -hmm. was also a designer. And that was the beginning. And then you build more confidence and you build more confidence. Now people go, oh, what, what if I fail? Well, the beautiful thing is when you fail, you're in a different position, a different vantage point to see possibilities 
you learn that the world doesn't explode. Your life isn't over if you fail and you, you actually continue to build confidence. So it's really just taking the action. You can right. fail and you'll, you will build your confidence. And you probably will fail. When I think about oh, my, my journey, yes. it's like, oh, right. I definitely quit my job prematurely, <laughs> quit the day job too early. Yes. And it's like, yeah, there are tears. There were a lot of tears along the way. It's like, this isn't working. I'm never going to make it work. And then right. the world keeps turning. You get up, you learn. Yeah. You know, you and go get a, more people, you go you get another people. job yeah. too, you know, like you do right. what you have to do to keep moving forward. I just love that phrase, the confidence continuum. Yeah, That's such a great way to talk mm-hmm. about the space between safe mm-hmm. and crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Cause well, it is maddening thing- when you're starting something big, it oh, feels so like scary. you've lost your mind, you know? But the other thing that's really interesting is what I see with women, what they do is they, char- they create this linear thing and it's not linear, you know, right. it's, nothing's linear. Right. But at least it gives them something to look at and they'll send that email and then they'll jump like three or four steps ahead to the next thing because they're like, Oh, so you get a turbo charge. And, and I, you know, and, and that is the, the beautiful power of confidence. And I want to go back to this confidence as a gender thing, right? So the research shows that men are authentically overconfident, authentically overconfident. They're not faking it. And why wouldn't they be when they eat their cereal at the breakfast table, they see everybody who looks just like them if they're white men. Um, And then, and then they, they go in the world and it, the seas part for them, like things are easier but they're not more competent. So, so what we have is um, we have women holding themselves back, men pushing themselves forward. And, and just from like an, just from being pissed off about that, I think you should take action, you know, apply for the job when you don't have a hundred percent of the qualifications, because, you know, Joe down the hall is. Yeah. Um, and that's that's actually how I got my first leadership job. I was on the search committee for this job and I felt like I needed a PhD before I applied for it. Those were my early years. I was young. <laughs> and um and I started to hear who was going to apply for the job. And it was a bunch <laughs> of just random dudes yep. with little experience. And I was talking to one of my colleagues who's on the search committee and he's like, you know, really, it, you should be applying for this job. And I said, well, I don't have a PhD. He's like, why do you think you need a PHD? I mean, it was another man who mentored me right. in taking this. And I applied and I got the job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those things, like if you're not going to do what someone else is, and it's probably going to be a dude. So <laughs> I mean, there really is some truth to the phrase, like have the confidence of a mediocre white Ogre man. White man. You yes. know? There's a mug. Too. You can get a yeah. mug and yeah. put it on your desk. Yeah. It's so, so funny. I mean, my husband, you describe my husband to a T. He eats his Wheaties every morning and he, 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 you know, for him, it's like, why not me? And to be around someone like that who also yeah. applies that philosophy to his wife, to his yeah. girlfriend, to his right, friend right. was very, yeah. very yeah. motivating and very it inspiring. You know, Absolutely. why not you is the question right. that every man needs to be asking the women around yeah. him as well. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. So yeah. I'm interested in the data around overconfidence versus underconfidence, right? So you've seen men overall have authentic yeah. overconfidence women we know 
the data is very clear on this, continuously rate themselves lower yeah. on performance yeah. reviews. In fact, I remember reading a study that was so disturbing that said freshmen or first year women in college rated themselves higher in terms of their their self-evaluation of their own competence and confidence in themselves than they did four years later. On graduation mm. day, they felt less confident. Uh, and that just heart hurts heart. your heart, right? Yeah. What yeah. is what is this what's going on there and where do we straddle that sort of line or balance between that rah-rah, chest-thumping, bravado, you can do it, versus true, authentic, deep, inner, calm confidence. Mm, that's really great. Well, I've there are a couple of, of things that I do think are important for women to cultivate. And um, one of them is a community and, mm -hmm. and a community of people who are going to be honest about their own struggles. So, you know, not just a friend, girlfriend group, but a community of peers. Uh, so many women sort of suffer in silence. They right. internalize what happens to them and they think it's just them and they feel a lot of shame and they feel like there's something wrong with them. Right. So they just kind of pack up their, their purse and they just, go down the street and leave their dreams behind because they mm -hmm. think it's I'm there's something flawed with me. When we start opening up our purses, we all realize that we're dealing with imposter syndrome. We're dealing with, you know, feeling like we're bad mothers or mm -hmm. we're shrill when we speak. I mean, all of it. And we start to realize that there are themes and patterns and that this is about something much larger than our individual experience. And that's, you know, whole like, systems of oppression, right? Right. And when we start to see that, what's really fascinating when it comes to self-compassion, it's not just being nice to yourself. It's not just talking to yourself in a kind voice. One of the key elements of self-compassion is seeing your experience as a shared experience. Oh. Yeah. That's seeing interesting. Seeing your experience as a shared experience, and then you're kinder to yourself, and then you're more great. You give yourself more I, grace. I love it because it, first of all, you're like, singing all of my favorite research right now, because there's a chapter in my book on cultivating a boss identity, which is that mm -hmm. iterative process of recognizing, mm -hmm. you know, your capabilities might be bigger than you think of identity expansion, as I call it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with internalizing versus externalizing. Yes. And the minute yes. that we all get together and realize, oh, it's not just me. It's not you. That no. that gives us all a reality check, yeah. which is very necessary to externalize mm -hmm. blame for that feeling yes. and not internalize I, it. Oh, yeah. I, I, that is a huge part is I want women to write down and figure out what they've internalized. Then mm. they share all of this with each other and they go, oh my gosh, you have the same you have the same wounds and battle scars, yeah. you have the same stuff. And then what happens, what's really fascinating because I, you know, I do this, um, this program with women where, so we've had these qualitative researchers come in and work with the women after cool. and they come out and they're like, they're really angry. <laughs> and, so, and so it's like when they finally, when we finally see that, oh, it's not just me. <laughs> Not only is that comforting, it's energizing. So, you know, anger yeah. is just another form of energy, right? So we can use that to propel ourselves when we do have yeah. a, a lot of fear um, and just being like, this is, <laughs> this you're is doing classic consciousness raising work, like a yes. good movement builder. And I'm so yeah. here for it. Tell us more about this program and, oh, and what it's all about. 
Well, if you know, it's uh, it, it is a pilot right now in mm-hmm. higher ed. We've had two years of it. Um, and you can find out more at amplify-women.org. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not connected to my my website specifically because it's a collaborative project in higher ed. But cool. you know, if you go to the site, if you want to look at the the password is um, to get to some of the protected materials is Amplify 2021. You can see all the powerpoints. You can see. Wow! You know, Thank yeah. you. So Amplify 2021, and that's when you get to the online. There's a you know, there's just a little password there, but, um, it's, it's all of the things that you're doing just with, with an intact group of women at Mm -hmm. an organization. Mm. So, you know, think about bossed up sort of, it's not a lean in circle because it's much more structured. Mm -hmm. So, um, they have a shared learning experience and then they, they're, they go into small groups at their organization and debrief that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really transformative from that's amazing you know, personal development to organizational development perspective. Yeah. So my hope, you know, my big dream, my boss yeah. is to be able to do this at a larger scale. Yeah. That's amazing. Sure. Well, yeah. I feel like you're well on your way there. You, oh, you work in higher ed as a leadership educator. You've got this collaboration going mm-hmm. and is it AKO or ACO collective? AKO collective. Those okay. are my initials. Nice. Yep. Yep. T- tell so us all that, about that too. What, what is that well, about? You know, that's been emergent and evolving as well. So I'm developing a model that I call conscious bravery. And, um, the first, the first step is going from, you know, the internal to the external from mm. unlearning internalized oppression and externalizing that and seeing that, that that has been harm that's been done to you. Then it moves through a lot of the things that we've talked about as far as taking action mm-hmm. and cultivating self-compassion. So, you know, my goal with that is really to create materials and content that women can access wherever they're at in their journey. A lot of it's writing in my blog, um, but every once in a while I'll do some online workshops right now. Oh. My attention has really shifted to, to amplify, but I really, I don't know if you have this in your work, but yeah. I really am. I, I find things like the spirituality pieces very much absent um, or they're, they're too present in women's programs. Like we're going to, you know what I mean? Like we're all going to earth mother it right now. And yeah. I, that, I think that there needs to be a middle ground where we have sort of our, um, you know, our connectivity with um, something larger than ourselves, but mm-hmm. also pragmatic. And that's where AKO Collective lives, is more oh, in, interesting. The, in the, that kind of nexus point of, of personal and spiritual development it's for women. So interesting because yeah. I think the world of DEI and inclusion and a lot of like what we would might call feminist programming mm-hmm. is so secular Um, and I'm definitely in that camp because I'm not really, uh, that's not my, it's not my specialty, I should say, um, that it can get very dissociated with spirituality Mm -hmm. in any Mm -hmm. form because it feels Mm -hmm. like there's no concentric overlapping, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, circles there, no, no overlapping Venn diagrams. So that's so interesting that that Mm -hmm. is something that you're, you're pursuing. I love Mm -hmm. the, I'm looking at the five elements of conscious bravery on your website right now. I'll I'll link to this ladies uh, and gentlemen who might be listening in the show Mm -hmm. notes today so you can check it out. But it's a really interesting framework. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what would you yeah. call conscious bravery? If you could, if you could sort of sum up what the deliverable is or, or what it's awareness and action. 
It's, cool. it's so consciousness is awareness right. and bravery is really another word for action. Which is like the consciousness raising circles or <laughs> activism you're doing, which yeah. I love. Yeah. So that's, that's quite so, a bit of overlap. Mm-hmm. So cool. And yeah. it sounds to me like you've really tied together a lot of the research to date mm-hmm. in this model and helping yep. others, you know, yeah. self-actualize. what's your last words of advice you would give someone who's like, I know that I struggle with confidence. Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. that I feel a lot of fear, a lot of terror around taking that first step. How would you coach someone to going from afraid to send the email to sending the damn email? (laughs) Right. Treat everything like it's, it's um, an experiment. And a lot, so experiments are testing out different ways of being in the world. And this is just one. So there isn't just, there isn't a perfect anything. There isn't a singular path. Um, it is, it is just an experiment. And so when we look at it as, I'm just going to try this out and see what happens with curiosity mm. and with, um, sort of an openness to learning then it takes a lot of the fear and the pressure to perform mm. and be successful out of it. So I think entering everything with curiosity and with a question, and I wonder what will happen. Um, yeah. That and that 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 it really is grounded in in sort of the spiritual aspects of what I would use to support people on their journey to to build confidence and to be brave. I love that. I think that's yeah. so interesting. It's kind of like detachment theory from Buddhism, right? Like it's very Buddhist. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. so I would say Buddhism, you know, that's what I mean by spirituality, not necessarily like there's a God and, you know, all of these in more religious mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. um, manifestations of spirituality, but, but just, um, just a connection and, and a peacefulness and an acceptance Mm. Uh, and then, and I wish I'd had that when I was younger, you totally. know, I really do. I think it would have changed my life in really wonderful ways. I think it's pretty radical. Well, that's what, that's what parenting is for, right? I was thinking, <laughs> get ready. Cause you're about to do that yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk about, talk Racing about risk taking control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll need all the Buddhism to get me. Uh, yes, I'm going to be like, no, don't make these mistakes. Read mom's book. She already uh, figured it out for you. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, this has been so nice to visit a fun with you. conversation, yeah. Alexis. Where can our listeners keep up with your great work? Oh, you're so sweet. Well, if you go to amplify-women.org, there's some posts there. But really, the AKO Collective, which mm-hmm. is alexiscondolomsa.com, that has, if you dig enough, there are quite a few blog posts in there that people might really enjoy. And then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always up for that. Um, awesome. You know, so yeah. I will drop all those links in today's show notes. Thank you again for being here. This has been such Thank a you. delight. You are a delight. And good luck with the rest of your pregnancy and bringing forth a small human to, into the world. That is a, <laughs> that is a very brave act. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. To get all those links that we talked about in today's interview, head to bossedup.org slash episode 344. That's bossedup.org slash episode 344. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today, I want to give a special shout out to Erin, who is a hired program alum. She actually just landed an awesome new job uh, after a very hard year of job searching and diligent 
patience that she applied to finding the next best possible opportunity for herself. But on top of being an excellent professional in her own right, Erin also has a side hustle as a bourbon enthusiast and educator. And she posted this in the Bossed Up Courage community just a few weeks ago that is totally worthy of this week's boss move. She wrote, here's what happens when we lift as we climb. Almost two months ago, Megan sent me a message with a media pitch asking for bourbon experts she came across. She knew of my interest and dedication to the subject, so I sent along an email, a long email, answering the pitch to the reporter, and then crickets, nothing. Today, I got a Google notification that my name was found in an article, and here it is, y'all. I'm quoted four times in a bourbon article on Maxim. And then she links to this awesome article, A Bartender's Guide to Bourbon, Experts Share Best Bottles and Whiskey Tips. And Erin's quoted as a bourbon expert, as the bourbon expert that she absolutely is. So I love this example of paying it forward, of lifting as we climb. Megan sent her the pitch. Erin took advantage of it and jumped in, and I just love the beauty of women supporting women and championing women, especially in male-dominated industries, because we all know the whiskey business, uh, at least in modern history, is pretty male-dominated, although we have women to thank, by the way, for bourbon, but that's another story (laughs) for another time. So cheers to you, Erin. Way to get quoted on behalf of your passions and your side hustle. So congrats to you, Erin, on this awesome boss move of the week. If you want to get to know Erin's cocktail and spirits coaching business and her bourbon evangelism, you can follow her on Instagram at ERPDC. That's ERPDC. That's ERPDC on Instagram. Um, And you can find her contributing as a cocktail editor at Bourbon and Banter. Way to make your tasty side hustle such a success, Erin. Congrats. And thanks, Erin, for sharing this in the Bossed Up Courage community. And if you haven't already, make sure to join us there. I'll drop a link in today's show notes. If you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum that you want me to break down with one of our expert guests on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at You can always send in a, a note or a voice memo. We always love featuring lots of voices on this podcast, including yours. Or you can always call your question or boss move in on the Bossed Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 26 26- Seven seven. I can't wait to hear what you thought of the wisdom that Alexis shared with us on today's episode. Let's keep the conversation going in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. If you haven't found us there, just search Bossed Up Courage community and you will find the best place to be on Facebook if I do say so myself. That community is just so inspiring to me and to the whole Bossed Up team. So thank you all for being vocal members Uh, of the Bossed Up virtual space there. Until next time, y'all, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's carry forth the original motto of America's first black women's clubs set way back in 1896 and lift as we climb. 